Well, this is going to be a really fun morning. This morning, we're going to hear from Chris Westoff. So come on, go ahead and come on up, Chris. Chris and her husband, Craig, they travel all over the world ministering to and encouraging spiritual leaders. They've been a part of our community for, I think, about 17 years. And Chris is a humble, gracious, loving, gifted person. So thank you for being here with us. We're excited to hear from you. Thank you. It's always scary when somebody uses the word humble. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to be proved wrong on that before this day is over, guaranteed. How are you guys doing? Isn't Christmas amazing in so many ways? I am um, going to approach some things a bit different this morning, and I hope you're okay with going on a journey with me have a little different approach instead of a normal preach, a normal teaching. I've got more of, um, of an art gallery in mind, and I, I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But it's birthed out of this idea that if, if somebody just found this book today and they had never heard of Jesus, they had never heard of Israel, they had never heard of, of the Jewish God, they had never heard any of the stories, and they just found this book and read it cover to cover, what would they walk away with? I mean, it, it, like how much we approach this book coming from what we already know, the preconceived notions, you know, we just do that with everything. But what if somebody had never heard of any of it before and they just read it cover to cover like a normal book what would they what would be the message that they'd be left with and one of the things that i think that they might walk away with is a story of this creator this mighty all-powerful god who has a very um, passionate desire to dwell with his creation from beginning to end. Like from the garden, he, he creates he, so that he could walk with all the way to the end. Now the dwelling place of God is with his people. Like that's the story from cover to cover over and over again. And so I thought we would approach some familiar stories as if we were walking through an art gallery. And you know, we, we read a book, like we read a science book differently than we gaze at art, right? Hopefully we do anyway. We, we stand in an art gallery and hopefully we, we engage art coming from the perspective of, ah, we're, we're engaged emotionally. We're engaged wholeheartedly. We, we try to throw ourselves into it. It's experiential. It's not just I'm going to sit back and, and be taught with my mind. We, we engage an art gallery like through our senses, right? At least that's what we want to try to do. We're a, we're a very um, Western mindset. We're used to thinking, but we're not always used to throwing ourselves into an experience with our senses. And, and artists do this quite naturally. And people who have a, an appreciation for art have learned how to engage uh, sensorily. Is that the right word? Let's roll with it. So that's why I have this up here. Is because what I want to do is I want to walk through some pretty familiar stories in the scripture 
And if you're not familiar with them, I hope to tell the story enough for, for you to engage with it. And we're going to pretend like we're gazing at, at six different scenes is what I have. Six scenes that we're going to pretend like there's a movie going on in this picture. And I'm, you can close your eyes. You can use your imagination. You can let me draw the picture for you and point out some different things and engage uh, your senses with it. What do you think? Is that all right? All right. So I really do welcome you to close your eyes if that's comfortable and draw the picture. And Jacob, where's Jacob? Can I have you come up? Jacob is going to accompany us in this process. Let's enter the story. Thank you, Jacob. Lord, will you help us? Will you help us use our imagination to climb inside of these stories written in the scripture? Will you help us engage um, these historical events that give us glimpses of who you are. Will you help us to see things that we've never seen before, feel things that we haven't experienced before? Will you bring these stories alive for us today? Scene number one, the Garden of Eden. This creator creates a beautiful garden. All kinds of plant life. It's just gorgeous. He's a master artist. And then he carefully crafts a man and a woman. He breathes into them to bring them to life. Imagine yourself opening your eyes for the first time as the breath of God is filling your lungs. And what do you see? You take a breath in as he is breathing out. And you have life. The first thing you see might just be his face. <laughs> and then your maker wants to go on a walk with you, enjoying your company, strolling through the garden in the cool of the day. Make no mistake that the first church was a garden.
as creator walked with his creation. Now let's wander down and look at the next picture frame, the next movie scene. And we see the Israelites in the wilderness. The creator speaks to Moses and he says, I want you to build me a tabernacle so that I can be with my people. He's God. He's everywhere. He's already there. And yet, he wants to live amongst them. He wants a tent a dwelling place in the neighborhood. He's already guiding them in powerful ways, but it just wasn't enough. He wants to be there with them. Who is this God? that wants a house, that wants a, a tent, a dwelling place in the desert with his chosen ones in the middle of their suffering, in the middle of their wandering, and in the middle of their confusion. He is with them in a very visible and tangible way. Let's go to the third scene. The Ark of the Covenant. The ark was designed to be a symbol of the presence of God in the midst of his people. Many believe it was called the Ark of the Covenant to remind the people of Noah's Ark, God carrying his people to safely through the trials and tribulations. Somehow he puts his presence so strongly in this box no one was allowed to touch it because of the holiness of his presence was there. <laughs> it makes me think that he wanted to even go on the road trips. He wanted to be carried from place to place with them so that they would travel with him as they wandered. Who is this creator who puts himself in a box to travel with them through the wilderness as they go.
What does that say about him? The fourth scene is about 12 generations later. It's now the inauguration of the first temple that they had built for so long. There were a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand or more Israelites in the wilderness. This was no small group of people. And when Solomon's temple was completed, and Solomon says the prayer to welcome the presence of God, every one of them saw the fire that came down out of heaven as God's presence filled up his house, and he moved in. It was the moving day for the presence of God. The glory of the Lord filled his house to such a degree they couldn't stand. And every one of those hundred thousand or more people fell on the ground and put their faces to the ground in worship. Imagine it with me. They saw the maker of heaven and earth move into his house in the neighborhood so that he could be with and among his people. in Jewish culture is something that we can't really wrap our minds around very easily in our Western world. It was the holiest, most sacred place on earth. They saw it as the place where heaven and earth met. They wasn't heaven out here and earth here, but in the temple is where heaven and earth actually came together. This was the place God moved into his house in the neighborhood. This is the place where heaven and earth met. Where God was with them. There is no more sacred place on earth. It was the center of their culture. It was... It was a kind of power that we we have not experienced. At least I haven't. What kind of power did they experience? What kind of presence? What kind of concentration of of the dwelling place of God did they experience? What what did that feel like? What just even being at home in their tent, knowing that this meeting place between heaven and earth was right down the street. That powerful day when he moved in. It 
and his visible presence of fire and glory remained. It wasn't just a one good church service and oh, and it was over. Like he stayed. That he he stayed there. They could look down the street and see his presence hovering within and over that temple. It was an awe-inspiring sight. Let's move on to the fifth scene. When the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary, much like he hovered over that temple, the Most High overshadowed her and incarnated himself inside of her womb. It's a little different than the inauguration of Solomon's temple that was filled with sacrifices, power, trembling. Now it's in the hiddenness of a 14-year-old girl. alone in a room. What was that like? What did Mary experience on that day? Was it anything similar to Solomon's temple? Was she trembling? Was she terrified? How is this possible that the God of Solomon's temple, the majestic other that Isaiah wrote about in the throne room, that that king was putting himself inside of her womb, how is that even possible? And what does this say about him? He now doesn't want just a house in the neighborhood. He wants to get closer. Even closer. He's going to put skin on. He's going to clothe himself with humanity. He's going to become vulnerable inside of this 14-year-old girl. Do you know that the placenta is actually made of a mixture of the mother's cells and the baby's cells. So he incarnated himself inside of a placenta that was created with a mixture of God and woman. And then as soon as as early as, as two weeks into the pregnancy, did you know that the, the, the creation of the baby is fed by her cells? That there's an intermingling of the cells that come from the mother into the placenta, into um, the, the forming and the growing of this baby, and then moves out from the baby and into the mother. So the mother is then experiencing and is partaking of the cells 
of Jesus, God incarnate. He was not only made through her, he was made of her. Her cells were a part of his DNA. He intermingled with humanity. He not just chose skin and put them, he didn't just like put on skin. I know he was, he's fully God and fully man and we can't really understand it, but he didn't just put on some foreign skin. He, his, his skin, his cells were formed of between his father and his mother. This is why Mary does indeed deserve honor. He entrusted himself to a woman's body. He dignified a woman's body. Think about Mary. She's a working class Jewish teenager, unmarried. She receives an uninvited guest from a vast winged being who fills her room with his radiance and announces that you will be a vessel for the incarnation. And it's gonna hurt like crazy to be his mom. This quote from Tertullian, say it slowly, is one of the greatest and most well-known early church fathers. It says, pray, tell me, why the Spirit of God descended into a woman's womb at all if he did not do so for the purpose of partaking of her flesh from the womb for he could have become spiritual flesh without such a process. Much more simply, indeed, to create himself outside of the womb would have been easier than inside of the womb. He had no reason for enclosing himself within a womb if he was not to bear forth anything from it. The divine intermingled with humanity. It's the most prophetic sign that has ever been seen in the earth. It was the birth of a new creation at the beginning of the incarnation. A new kind of human that's human intermingling with God. It is an echo of what is to come. Many have called Mary the third temple. Many have called her uh, the second ark of the covenant as she walked the earth carrying Jesus in her womb. She was a sign of what was to come. Bringing the light of the divine into the darkness of the world. In her body, 
not just her spirit, not just her gifts and callings, in her physical body. This is why the incarnation is the beginning of the full redemption of humanity. He redeemed our physical bodies by putting his presence inside of us. He dignified humanity by becoming one of us. It is the second creation story. In the first creation story, woman is taken out of man. In the next creation story, God was taken out of woman. And everyone since then has been born of a woman. There is nothing I can imagine that could be more redemptive than this. She carried him. Literally carried God. Incarnate in her physical body as she walked the earth. You would think that God couldn't be any more with us than that, right? He couldn't be any more with his creation than that. He couldn't be any closer than now he wanted to climb inside and become one of us. He couldn't get any closer, become more with us as Emmanuel than that. Clearly, I can't imagine anything greater than that. If I didn't have this book, if I didn't know the rest of the story, like that alone would be enough for me to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. The disciples didn't know the rest of the story and they laid their lives down for him. Probably because of this. God with us. He no longer is in a building made with hands. He is now dwelling in human flesh. He's now dwelling inside of a woman's body as she carries him around the world. This Emmanuel, the witness of God is unfathomable but it gets better and even better still as we go to the sixth scene Jesus as we know proclaimed himself as the temple which was scandalous to say the least. Absolutely unrealistic for any Jewish to think that he wasn't crazy. Like he, we know the temple, our entire Jewish culture is built on the temple. The temple is the meeting place between heaven and earth. There is nowhere closer to him than in the temple. How dare you say that you, Jesus, are the temple of God? It was, it was not just a moment where they questioned his sanity. It, it was, that's why they wanted to kill him. Because for a human to say that I am the temple is saying that I am now the meeting place between heaven and earth. 
I am that person. I, he, he stood up and said, it's me. I am the meeting place between heaven and earth. And we know that to be true, but can you imagine what it was like for a Jewish man, a Jewish woman to, to stand there and hear those words with the sacredness of the temple as the center point of their life. But then, as we lean into scene number six, is in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Do you see that it's the same thing as what happened in Solomon's temple? Do you see the fire that came down from heaven only now it's on top of humans? Do you see the, the rushing wind, which was like the glory of the Lord filling up the temple? It's now happening, not just in Mary, not just in Jesus, but now in these followers. These are, this is temple language. The dwelling place of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple is holy. Which temple you are. That's a plural you. That's a all y'all. That's what that is. That's, that's a, all y'all are the temple of God. If we could throw a little Texan in there. That is an all y'all are the temple of God. Yes, individually, you are now the temple. But it wasn't enough for God to be with Mary and incarnating himself inside of her body. It wasn't enough for God himself to clothe himself with humanity and put skin on and walk around the, the world and bringing light into the darkness. It wasn't enough. Now his spirit was pouring forth in this upper room and the tongues of fire were happening and the mighty rushing wind is happening and, and the, the next temple is being inaugurated on that day that the dwelling place of God is now with man forever. That the meeting place of heaven and earth is now us. It's us. Do we know that? It's us. We have been inaugurated as the temple. This is Pentecost. His desire to be with us is so severe and so extreme. The same one the Holy One of Israel that poured himself forth in Solomon's temple in might and in power and caused a hundred thousand people to fall on their faces and trembling and the priests couldn't stand. The, 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 the holiness of God was so overwhelming that they couldn't function and now somehow <laughs> 
he has poured himself forth inside of all of us. We are all Mary walking the earth impregnated with the presence of God. Forgive me for my uh, poetic language, but it is true. Do we believe it? Mary deserves great honor, and so do you. His presence is inside of you. His presence is upon you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. When we gather, do we know what happens in this room? We gather as the body of Christ because we are the temple and we are the all y'all. Gather together as we worship, as we adore him, as we gather in his presence. We are the meeting place of heaven and earth. You are, as an individual, and even more so, we are, as a community of believers around the world. Friends, I... It's the message I preach to myself almost daily. (laughs) Because it's so... Like, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, we need you to teach us. We need you to wake us up to what is true. We need to have eyes to see and ears to hear what is the full, true gospel. What we read in this book, what we know is true, and yet every day I need to be reawakened to the power of it, to the truth of it. Many of you might be familiar with this parable, but it demonstrates what what I'm feeling and what I want to, I'm hoping that we could all just pray into. I'd love to have a, a time where we get prayer. It's not like we're going to awaken just by somebody laying hands on you, but can we join together? Those who want prayer in a few minutes, not yet, just get yourself ready. But come on up, we're going to pray for people. And, and this is what I want to pray for, is, is a, awakening to what we believe, to what we already believe. So the parable is there is two fish swimming in the ocean. They're just swimming along. And an older fish comes at them and is swimming in the other direction. And as he passes them by, he says, Good day, boys. Isn't the water water lovely? And he swims on. And the two fish continue on quietly for a few minutes. And then one turns to the other and says, What the heck is water? And I I feel that. We are swimming in him. We are surrounded by him. He is everywhere. Do we know it? Do we sense his presence every day of our life? Most of us, I know, me, I don't. Most days I feel like I'm sleeping and I forget. We are forgetful people. 
Brian, who am I supposed to call up now? Matt? Matt? Hi, Matt. <laughs> Come on up, Matt. I would love, we're going to have prayer teams come up. We've got believers, prayer teams, and elders. And um, I just, uh, in this Christmas season, what is already true, that the presence of God, Emmanuel, is here in our midst. He is God with us. The witness of God is everything, is everything. So we want to pray. Come forward if you want prayer. We just want to be available to lay hands and bless and help us to awaken yet again every day of our life for the nearness of God, for the witness of God, for the all-encompassing power of God, the reality that I am the dwelling place of God in the earth, that Mary was a demonstration for me of how to walk through this earth carrying Jesus, that somehow, somehow, Christmas is so powerful. This is what we are to be remembering. So come, come on. We're not going to count, I'm not going to count to three or anything weird. Come on, let's just pray. We need an awakening of these realities we need to know that he is with us so come 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 let's pray together that this christmas would be a true honoring of emmanuel in every possible way we need the witness of god inside of our own souls more today than ever before we need the witness of god in our own life we need the witness the witness of god to be known in the earth Amen. Can the rest of us just stand and let's just worship and pray for the others who are um, being prayed for, for more of the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
We aren't going to do an official release. We're just kind of quiet, soft release. So please feel free to stay here and as long as you want, still come up and pray, get prayer if you want, but also be free to go if you want to be go. Thank you.